Welcome into The Harvest, a podcast dedicated to helping ordinary believers take the message and mission of Jesus out of the building and into the everyday places of life. There's a famous story about a Spanish conquistador named Hernán Cortés. By the time Cortés and his men landed on the coast of Veracruz in 1519, the Aztecs had been ruling what is now central Mexico for hundreds of years. Cortés and his men found themselves far from home, vastly outnumbered, and facing an empire famous for its warriors. Many of Cortez's men had doubts about whether their mission could succeed. And then Cortez did something radical and unexpected. He gave the order to scuttle his own ships. He stranded himself and his men in enemy territory. There was no going back. The path forward, however, was clear. All or nothing, 100% commitment. The option for half effort or retreat was gone. And famously, the expedition succeeded and Cortez and his men conquered the Aztecs. It's a dramatic story and one we can learn from. What does it take to get started in the harvest? Well, to start with, you're going to need to burn your ships. Our team talks about how that's looked in our own lives on today's show as we start a two-part series on how you can get started in the harvest. Uh, Hey, everyone. It's Abigail, (laughs) and I'm here with the whole team. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Keith. What's up? Hey, Abigail. So... So just so folks know, of course, they're only hearing us, but this is the first time that we've actually used video with our podcast. That's true. So um, if we're laughing, it's because we've never actually been looking at one another. We have never seen each other. It's it's very distracting. It's very distracting. On my end, (laughs) I am used to just really talking into the void. And so it's super (laughs) weird to see you guys. But I I I think it'll be fun and maybe add an element of realness that we haven't had previously. Who knows? You guys can let us know what it sounds like. If it sounds True. like yep. we can see each other. I don't know. Um, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, we are gathered together today for, I think, a really cool topic. And we'll get into that in a minute. But guys, before we do, I have another review to share with you. Oh, are you ready? Right. I absolutely cannot pronounce what this person put down as their name. Um, it's like la Um, I don't know. There's a lot of L's and some Y's involved. Anyway, right. you know who you are. Thanks a lot for this review. This is what it says. It's a five-star review. So this podcast is fantastic. A lot of practical wisdom offered by Christians and active ministries speaking from experience huh, rather than theory. <laughs> I really appreciate that they're very real people. That's true. Balancing life's demands in the light of obedience to God. If you want to gain clarity and be challenged to go in your walk with God, give them a listen. Oh, thanks Man, a lot. That's a that good review. Solid. I know. That's an awesome review. That was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. We really appreciate people taking the time. Um to you know if the show is beneficial to mm-hmm. take the time to to go over to iTunes and give us a five star rating and leave a little review like that it it encourages us and i think it also just helps people get a a sense for what the podcast is about i do think that this is a unique podcast um yeah. in terms of christian podcasts that i've come across um i do think a lot of them tend to be more theory based and and we're really trying to be focused more on how do we live out our faith in the everyday life and uh, how do we share it? So mm-hmm. really appreciate that review from La La Lulu. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I probably yeah. really butchered it. There is, I'm pretty sure it's not a real name. That's my guess, but um, yeah, they know who they are. And I mean, one of my love languages is definitely words of affirmation. So these are uh, 
These are just totally full in my tank, guys. So thank you so very much. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> hey, don't don't make fun. That's, that's all I've got going for me right now. My children do not <laughs> give me words of affirmation. So uh, yeah. anyway, fair, fair. so guys, before we get started, how's it going on y'all's end? What's going on in your lives? It is going good for us here at the Stroud household. Our kids are on their fall break, so that's been a lot of fun. A little mm -hmm. bit of a change of pace. We've got the kids around, the younger ones, this week, and I'm getting ready to take the two youngest boys out camping this weekend. Man. So that's probably <gasps> nice. the uh, the big event for us. Did I did I return your camping gear yet? Did we? <laughs> you did. Well, <laughs> you gave it to me. I still need to actually. Oh, okay. Well, I still need to package it up. Partly on. That's partly good, on Keith. us. We had a. Yeah, we had to camp out at our kids' school, and uh, yeah, we borrowed the Strouds camping gear. So shout out to that person who gave the review because it is real life. So uh, <laughs> yeah, on my end, it's been a good week. Uh, our other, my other barber actually took a vacation this week, so it was a heavier week as far as barbering. And the ministry has been going well, but we're sending a guy off today, so we're having a party like a cookout, you know, going away Fun. Uh, event for him. Nice. But I work tomorrow at the barbershop, so I have to run my miles today, and it's a uh, lot of miles. So wait, and, I, uh, Andrew encouraged me so much last week. So yeah. Keith, we'll I need to back goes. up this train a little tiny bit. Yeah. I heard that the other barber was going on maternity leave. Is this true? Not just okay, yet. Okay, because yes, if you took were about to call that vacation, I was going to come <laughs> <Yeah>. on over there. <laughs> no, this was a literal vacation. She's going to be off okay, for a that's week cool. to kind of rest up. Whew, yep. Maternity leave starts next month. Things later are about month, to so. get real, but they're not. <laughs> that was going to be fair. Fair. <laughs> Fair, uh, fair point. No <laughs> argument there. Okay, cool. Well, I'm so sorry you're having to work so much. That's a bummer. Yep. Yeah, this is, a, this is an interesting week, too, because this is our heaviest training week for the marathon. <laughs> so Keith's working crazy hours. Yeah. And he's running running crazy hours to so say a little prayer for so him. so crazy. I do not yeah. understand. All right, well. How, how about, yeah, how about you, Abigail? What's going on in Texas? Um, It's blazing hot that is not camping oh, weather yet. Um, I turn out mm. to go camping when it's still in the 90s, and it definitely oh. is. Um, I promised myself that I would not put up my fall decorations until it was below 90, and I haven't gotten to put them <laughs> up yet, and I want to oh, hang man. up some pumpkins or something. <laughs> so I'm very sad, but it's okay. Life is, is continuing on. Also, I had surgery this week. Um, I have like this lump thing on my shoulder. I called my alien and I got it removed. So oh, wow. that was cool. Got a little. <laughs> just, a, just a quick outpatient. How are you feeling? Oh, fine. Yeah. I was, you know, it was oh, okay. like local, um, local drugs. So I just got like several good naps in a day, which as a mom was like vacation. So that was cool. And so I just got That's to right. wake up the next day with double the laundry and a very messy house so uh you know things happened while yeah. i was asleep <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's it's totally it's yeah it's healing you guys can see on the video but no one else oh, can yeah. so anyway it's just um it's just a band-aid just for you guys listening okay um, surgery. so enough about that uh let's get into today's topic you guys uh what did we decide yeah. to call this i don't remember was it good? I think we're going to do a two-part series. We're going to do a two-part series on getting started in the harvest, which is something that's that's near and dear to our hearts. Mm -hmm. I mean, we want to 
follow Jesus faithfully in everyday life, but we also want to encourage others in our community to share their faith and to be the church in the everyday places of life. And so we're going to dig into that a little bit more, what we mean, especially on sharing your faith and moving into the harvest and how that might be different than, than what a lot of people might think of when they think about living out their faith or being part of the church. So mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's the goal. We'll see how it, we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, this might be one of our most controversial topics, um, just as a warning for those listening that this could get very real. Um, I'm glad we read that particular review earlier because it was saying <laughs> that we were very real and we, I think, are going to maybe get the most real today. Getting into maybe mm-hmm. more of the nitty gritty of what all of us on this podcast feel kind of called to and very passionate about, I would say, um, like we may get worked up about this topic because we're very excited. <laughs> um, but yeah. but that being said, I don't think we are in the majority when it comes to how Christians um, kind of see themselves in the modern world and how we tend to live out our faith. So this may be interesting. And I look hmm. forward to some good comments from people on this topic. Yeah, we went back and forth on whether or not we should throw a, a, a disclaimer out here at the beginning. And so that we sort of did right there in terms of... <laughs> we don't want to hey, scare you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but I actually do hope that people listen to this and the next episode because there's a lot of, I think, good general information that we're trying to provide to the body of Christ. Uh, but this is closer to the the heartbeat of what we're specifically trying to do with Into the Harvest, why we believe the Lord has led us to start this ministry and this community and what we're trying to do in our personal lives. So, um, yeah, I hope it does generate some conversation. And to be the, uh, the bright spot in it, <laughs> it's like um, <laughs> everything that we're going to talk about on this podcast today and everything that uh, we're going to discuss is something not only we believe in, but we all have done it in our own personal lives. So we're not going to ask you to do anything or encourage you to do anything that we haven't done ourselves and seeing God bless. So, uh, yeah, be encouraged that we're not just telling you like, oh, man, maybe you should step out in faith and trust God and do this. <laughs> and we haven't done it, but we have done it. And uh, God has been extremely faithful. So we're going to speak on that faithfulness today. Yeah. So we aren't going to go into maybe the the theology of why um, why we're going to give out this <laughs> this advice today on this podcast. But we have done podcasts about that in the past. So we're going to put that in the show mm-hmm. notes. If you um, get started on this and you start like really just yelling at your radio or on your podcast <laughs> and you're like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. We think we do. And we definitely have talked about it before. And so um, don't get too mad. Just go back and listen to those podcasts. And we kind of give scripture background of why we feel like um, the Lord has called all of us as followers of Jesus to head out into the harvest places and be a witness. Yeah. And and I would say sometimes I forget to put it in the show notes. Oh. So <laughs> it, it is episode nine. We did. Uh, okay. In episode nine, we talk about church and the harvest, and we talk about the biblical foundations that drive our convictions mm-hmm. and our our effort to practice faithfulness to the scriptures. 
And then episode 10 is another one on Church and Harvest, but it's more of how we live it out. If you really want to to get more of the the scriptural basis for what we're doing, then episode 9. Hopefully I'll put that in the show notes, but if not, <laughs> go back and listen to it. If not, here we are telling you about it, which is just <laughs> as good, right? Yes. I mean, come on. Right. All right. So, um, so we're going to get into... Uh, in fact, I love this, Andrew. You had someone in your local ministry, if I'm correct on this, who was heading out to a new location. Um, they were moving, and they were like, hey, we want to do this where we are in our new location. How do we do it? And you kind of sent them five key things that can help one get started, um, get not just like a full-on ministry necessarily, but just a... Um, a community of people that are living in a healthy way, following Jesus, um, and how to do that. So you came up with five things. And what we're going to do today is look at two of them, and then we're going to cover the last three on the next episode together. So we're going to kind of dig into the advice that Andrew gave to his friend. Um, And the first thing you said was, burn your ships, which is very cryptic. (laughs) Do tell. (laughs) <laughs> well a lot of, a lot of listeners <laughs> yeah in in parentheses it's uh process your commitment to be all in mm. so if you're going to go into the harvest then it's not something you do halfway you really need to be fully committed to to move into the harvest if you're going to have a chance of of seeing it through but the idea of burning the ships goes back to a story of, from 400 years ago when the Spanish Empire was spreading all over the world and they had this armada of ships and all these conquistadors um, that were out there exploring the new world. And one of them was a guy named Cortez and he had set out to the new world and particularly to what's today um, modern day Mexico, central Mexico. And the problem was that was not empty. There was a uh, there was a mighty empire. The Aztecs were there, and they had dominated central Mexico for hundreds of years. And Cortez, meanwhile, had six hundred men and eleven ships. And so, these six hundred men, um, five hundred soldiers, one hundred sailors, they land in this this foreign land, and they know that they're they're there to conquer. And they're vastly outnumbered by this military empire. The Aztecs were known for their their military prowess. And so Cortez actually had a problem. His men weren't real excited about this mission. (laughs) They didn't want to be there. And they weren't real uh, optimistic about the success of what they were up against. And so what Cortez did to ensure their commitment was he burned the ships uh, so that there was no way to retreat. And so that's the idea is, you know, when you, when you leave yourself, when you go all in, it's actually something that can help you see something through. As long as you have an escape route or a parachute to deploy, a lot of us, that's what we'll do. When the going gets tough, we'll head back to the ships and we'll sail away. And I think if you're going to move into the harvest and really learn how to live and share your faith, in the everyday places outside of the established traditional church in America, then a first step is to process your commitment to be all in and to 
burn the ships, so to speak. And I, I think we've probably all done that in our own lives. So maybe we can give some personal um, stories about what that looked like for us. Yeah, I think um, it's probably really important that we do this because um, it is going to get hard. <laughs> I think maybe mm -hmm. that's the first thing that anyone should know about um, kind of heading into this um, maybe a little lonely space of doing ministry and everyday places of life where people are not expecting it or um, prepared for what the message we are that we're bringing. Um, and so it is going to get really hard. So I am really, um, that hits hard, Andrew, as far as like getting rid of your parachute, getting rid yeah, of your sure. um, escape pod, because um, otherwise we would have totally used it <laughs> because yeah. it's, mm -hmm. it gets really rough. So yeah. Well, another, another way I think about this is and Chuck Wood, a mutual friend of ours, he and I did a um, a YouTube video on this years back. <laughs> but we were going west. We're talking about going west, oh, and what man, was it? That. You know, in a, in our own nation's history, you had civilization on the east coast. You had cities that had been in place for hundreds of years, and in the 19th century, there were a, a group of of pioneers, men and women, who chose to go into the unknown. They, they chose to go into the unsettled places of the United States and to pioneer um, new, new towns, new, new homesteads, new lives. And that's another analogy for the way I think about the difference between doing ministry in the more established church uh, structure in America and being willing to go beyond that to move out into the the un, untamed civilization, so to speak, and and learn how to do that. One of the big differences is if you left Philadelphia to head west, then you actually traveled hundreds and then thousands of miles. If you changed your mind when you got to Kansas, and let's be honest, that would be a place where a lot of us might be tempted to change our <laughs> minds. I mean, even today, if you drive through Kansas, sorry, Kansas. Um, when, oh, when you got to Kansas, if you were like, you know what, this was a bad idea. Yeah. To get back to Philadelphia, it, it took a lot. You had to travel sure. all the way back. Mm -hmm. And so that's not the same for us, though. If you, if you step outside of the traditional church that's less than a mile from your house, and you begin to live out and share your faith outside of that, if you begin to pioneer uh, new works in the harvest and it gets tough, you can simply revert right back into the established system. So I think um, it is important to, to process it on the front end because it is so easy for us when the going gets tough to, to opt out. For sure, Kenner. I think you've come up with a quote and you said that the resources are in the harvest. And um, I think I've learned that to be true. Like when they were setting out to go west, like uh, everything that they were going to need was along the way. Like they had to, to go through the process of finding that and making it useful. But the same with Cortez in the story you said, like everything that they needed was going to be there. So going back was not an option. So uh, I think where I've seen this play out recently was actually when we were training for the marathon, of course, me and Andrew. <laughs> and uh, the first time we did 15 miles, 
Uh, we ran the Silver Strand out here in San Diego. It's beautiful. It is really awesome. But the first restroom break is probably like eight miles in. And the first place you can get water is eight miles in. So like, uh, so you had to make we it. We had to eight make miles. it to that. <laughs> to that, we had to make it to that point to turn back around to get water. And yeah. you know, sure enough, when we got there, the first thing we wanted to do was use the restroom and rehydrate. And you know, heading back, it was the same thing. There was a little shop where we can pick up Gatorade, and uh, it's probably the best Gatorade I've ever had in my life because we were so, you know, so. Uh, so exhausted at that point that it felt really good, you know, but I guess we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have hit that point if we didn't have, uh, that mindset going into it that, Hey, we have to reach this mark to, uh, to reach, uh, what we need. And then heading back, it was the same thing. So when you, um, are moving out and stepping out in faith, there are going to be small victories, moments of, uh, triumph where you get reminded like, Hey, we, we set out to do this and this is, this is a small, uh, glimpse of what it's going to be like you know reaching those goals so it's a good analogy keith i like it i mean i've never i've never <laughs> run that far so i wouldn't know <laughs> but i can just uh, imagine i can imagine myself in that scenario um i will say <laughs> that uh you know maybe to do a little bit of of background on just the idea of why would we would even put ourselves in these kind of pioneering situations um, is really because I think all of us here feel very passionate about all the lost, all the lost people that are not going into our church buildings who are maybe mm. um, have some sort of preconceived idea about it or, you know, they are scared, whatever, um, whatever their reasons are. These are the people we feel passionate about. And one of the ways to reach them is to just be available to them. Um, however, mm-hmm. as human beings, if we are already engaged and have community that's big and exciting in our church building, and um, we have all these, um, I don't know, commitments that we do during the week at our church, then that can really fill up that space of our life um, and make it harder to be outward focused. Um, I had, and I think I've told this story in the podcast, we are now in season two, which means I will now start repeating <laughs> my stories. Recycle stories. Just prepare yourselves emotionally for that. So just remember this story of how when at swimming lessons with my kids, remember how I got very sad because there was a bunch of like church moms all hanging out in their clique. And I felt very sad and like alone and was like, I wish I Mm. went to such and such church and I could have cool friends too. And the Lord really reminded me, like, look around. And sure enough, there were like all these other ladies at swimming lessons that I then engaged with and became friends with even. Um, And I probably wouldn't have done that if I had just been with my cool church friends, which there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that scenario. Those ladies were having a grand old time and I'm happy for them. But I do think Mm -hmm. in my own life, Having making space for the Lord to do ministry and to do work in our lives, in the relationships we have in our neighborhoods, in our schools and our workplaces, all those things, we have to make that space. And that can then mean that sometimes it's just us in the space all alone, waiting for someone else to show up. So I would Mm -hmm. like to transition into some uh, stories regarding no one showing up. So can we talk about that? Um, so now we've burned our boats. We're no longer in a cool church building where there's safety of like various pastors and Sunday school classes and a big congregation. And it's just us 
and we're waiting for people to show up. What's going to happen next? <laughs> well, yeah, I think we, we were joking before we hit record here that uh, it's, it's one of the benefits of, of having a family. I know for, for you and I, Abigail, when we started down this path, we did have, you know, we were married with kids. And so for us initially, the, the way it went down in our, our lives is that we just began, well, the way it went down for us actually began with us choosing to stop going out to a traditional Sunday service, which was a, a very conscious choice that we made that we talked about. Um, and at the time we didn't have a master plan figured out of what we were going to do, but we were going to, to stop going out to an already established uh, Sunday service. And what that did is just what you were talking about before is that created space for us on Sunday mornings. And I just want to quickly throw out that, um, sometimes we can be misunderstood that we're against the traditional Sunday service. <laughs> yeah. Don't even ask though we about never that. say that. folks. <laughs> we never say that. No. In fact, just the opposite. No, yeah. I believe completely that the Lord is doing amazing things through the traditional church in America. I do think that the reach that the traditional church in America has in broader culture and society is shrinking. And so, business as usual when it comes to church in America is less and less effective mm -hmm. in terms of reaching the the broader culture and society, I believe. And I think a lot of the, the new growth that we're going to see among the church is going to be by folks that are moving into the harvest, moving outside of the traditional model. But in the meantime, I've, I'm fully persuaded that God is at work through more traditional models and through newer models. And so even though we're focused on these newer models, these newer ways of being the church in the harvest, um, we fully appreciate and enjoy what God is doing through the more traditional church. But for us, that was the first step was really to, to stop going out, to, to step away from the traditional model. And maybe the, I, I don't know if I should be embarrassed by this, but you know, for the first couple of months, I, watched football on Sunday mornings and cool. watched some NASCAR races. <laughs> I didn't really know what to Truth's do with myself yeah. because for years yeah. on Sunday morning, yeah. we went to a Sunday yeah. service. Did you feel like a bad a Christian? Like I would go grocery shopping and I'd like look around and want to be like, I promise I'm a Christian. <laughs> I'm just not in church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there was, it was a very, um, it's a weird thing. I actually think that that's, yeah. it's a process that people, um, need to uh, we needed to work through yeah it, psychologically is like hey we're not doing the wrong thing here even <laughs> though it feels like we are mm -hmm. um but then that did lead to us deciding that well hey we we could actually do something purposeful with the kids um so we began to make a special breakfast on sunday mornings and then we would spend time praying as a family and we would go through a story from the bible just with the kids and that really became for us the the beginning of of our gathering in the harvest just in our home it was just with our our family and then over time others joined us with that so it does help if you've got 
kids <laughs> or if you've got <laughs> a buddy but maybe a the buddy. Yeah, yeah seriously yeah. the practical takeaway is that if you can go into the harvest with you know jesus sent them out two by two True. if you can go into the harvest with another family or one or two friends then i think that that's what you should do for sure because there are going to be those those gatherings where it's just you Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and your friends, and there's no new people, even though you may have done a lot of outreach that week. Yeah, I think a story about no one showing up. I think I got uh, a few, <laughs> so the struggle the struggle was definitely real. But it goes back to a passage I had read when I first was coming around to thinking about following the Lord, and he was the light bulb was turning on, and it was from Hebrews. It's, Hebrews 5.12, and it says, By this time, you ought to be teachers. Uh, you need someone else to teach you the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. And for some reason, man, that, that verse punched me right in the chest. So uh, the thing I knew was that I needed to be taught. Like, I couldn't teach anybody else anything because I still needed to be taught, you know. But I knew that once I was taught, once I had something to offer, that's what I wanted to do. So... Uh, in a cool way, God brought Andrew around, you know, got me up to speed. And uh, once we were ready to, to move out, I still had that verse in mind. So a couple of times we set out to start something new, whether it be on a college campus or at work or, you know, even on a on a uh, base right now. But I think the, the game changer happened when we were at Southwestern College. And it was me and one of the other leaders. We showed up, did a lot of outreach that week. Nobody showed up, you know. Hmm. And we looked at each other and it was like, well, what, what should we do, you know? And uh, I was like, well, let's just go home. So we went home and uh, I don't think that was the right choice, you know, talk hmm. to Andrew a little bit later. It's like, well, next time, how about praying, you know, how about, you know, maybe doing some outreach there, just using that time. So when it came to the base, uh, the Bible study we we're doing on 32nd Street, uh, the next time that happened, the McCoys had just moved out here. I think it was their second week out. And uh, every guy and gal that I had coming out to the study could make it for whatever reason that week. So we showed up. It was just us and them. And they looked and they said, hey, what are we going to do? You know, I was like, all right, break out a pen, break out some paper. Let's get the names down. Let's let's start praying over this space. Let's start praying over this, mm-hmm. these names that uh, that we have so far. And, and then let's do some outreach next week. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, God blessed it like uh I'm not going to say I never had no one show up again, but specifically to that study, that hasn't happened since. And I think that mm-hmm. it was really trusting God in prayer in that moment. So, Oh, that's really good, Keith. Um, I, I think that that really hits on our next big thing, which is prayer. Mm-hmm. Before we go there, mm-hmm. I just want to reiterate what we have just said about burning the boats. But I think it's really just making space and then protecting that space um, mm-hmm. once you've made it. So making that commitment, like we're going to set aside Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or whatever it is that we are going to create this mm-hmm. time to have a Bible study, church meeting type time, and then really protecting it and like allowing that to mm-hmm. happen every week, even if no one shows. Um, when we first moved to San Antonio, we probably went months and months and months with only us and Chuck and Deb Wood and Deb's well, parents. Um, shout out to the Thars. I mean, we would all just sit <laughs> around and like look at our babies because I had two very small children at the time. But that's 
I mean, we couldn't get a soul else to meet with us. So I'm so grateful for the community of believers to be doing mm-hmm. um, this with. And I, I can also say that I don't think it's ever been that bleak since. Um, but even like, I think it was last week, mm. I had invited several new people to church and I was very excited about them coming. And I, you know, done my like texting and then follow up texting, you know, we've all been there. We're like, are you coming? And you're like, try not to seem too eager, but it's, it's kind of like <laughs> dating anyway. So, um, so I was like playing it cool, but also really wanted them to show. And so they all said they were coming. I was very excited. And then last, I mean, I was like literally making the food for the potluck. So like we were meeting in an hour and I mm. like the text start dinging. It's like ding, ding. And it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Blah, blah, blah is happening. Like, oh, such and such. You know, all the excuses were like pouring in. Mm-hmm. So it was so sad by the time church started and our regular church people come in and I'm just in like this foul, sad mood. I'm just like, oh so bummed and i tell everyone like i'm so bummed my people didn't show (laughs) and um my good friend kelly she was so great because they've also had churches in their home she was like oh man i mean sometimes it was just our family and uh when it was just our family like one week we were like well let's play a game and so the whole family played a game and then the next week no one showed and so like let's clean house and then no one showed the next week and they literally went outside and pulled weeds in their front yard and so we like <laughs> laughed about that like well that's that's depressing you know like who wants to pull weeds but it was such i had like so quickly forgotten i had quickly forgotten those months and months of staring at the woods across my living room when no one would show. And at least, you know, now, even though my new people were not showing, I still had these faithful that were coming to our house and we still have great church family. So it has um, progressed and it's easy to forget. Um, And then it's easy to feel like you're the only one that it's ever happened to when it's happening to you. So we just want to remind you. (laughs) when this will happen to you, um, that it's okay. Just keep making that space. Keep making mm-hmm. the space in your life because inevitably the Lord will fill it because um, he is faithful to fill with that fruit. So um, let's let's move into this next one. What should we fill that space with while we're waiting? Keith totally said it already. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Somebody else say yeah, it. Yeah, Keith, so may- <laughs> maybe... <laughs> What did you guys pray for? What What are some things that, that mm-hmm. you've prayed for during those times? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think um, one of the big things we prayed for was just, you know, men and women who would uh, welcome the message and the messenger. Like we were convinced that God had us there, that we were supposed to be there. So I think it was only a matter of time before we would bump into God people. So mm-hmm. I think our prayer that day was, hey, help help us bump into the people you want us to come into contact with. Cause, um, Andrew, you brought up Jesus sending out the, the disciples two by two and how he sent them out. And he told them to look for a worthy person, like look for someone who's willing to accept you as God's messenger, but also the message you have. And, uh, I think the call for us was the same, but I love that he didn't give them a timeline. So he didn't say like, Hey, search for this long. And then if it doesn't work out, you know, like go back this way. So, Hey, I think if you're convinced that God has you doing it and, uh, you know, he's working in people's lives, like be faithful to be available. Like you said, Abby, and to pray that God would bring you into contact with those people. Cause he will, 
Uh, doesn't say when or, or exactly how, but he, he will. Yeah, this, this second point. So the first one was burn the ships. The second one is prayer as the foundation. If you're going to move into the harvest or get started in the harvest, then prayer really does have to be your foundation. And just like Keith was saying, I love that that story of Jesus sending out the 12 because he was sending them into the harvest two by two. And he told them that that they were like you said, they were to, they were to look for people of peace, mm-hmm. um, someone who was worthy. And if you study that closely, and you try to figure out, well, how would they know who a worthy person was? Um, they, they basically, a worthy person had three qualities, and Keith, you, you, you touched on them. Mm-hmm. First, it's someone who welcomes your message. So they're interested in what it is that you have to share. Um, even if they don't fully understand it or, or believe it, they're at least curious and, and willing to listen. And then secondly, they, they welcome you mm-hmm. as the messenger. So that's a big one. Some people might be interested in in topics they just don't want to necessarily learn them from you and um that's not someone that you're going to be able to get very far with (laughs) but then the last quality that jesus says is that these these people of peace would accept the disciples into their home and so they're they're willing to become part of what you're doing and so i think that's the third quality that you're looking for and jesus Jesus communicated that these people are out there. Those people, those kind of people were in the towns that the disciples were going to. They just hadn't met them yet. And I think in the same way, we pray because we have this underlying trust that God is at work in the lives of people around us, mm-hmm. maybe some of whom we haven't even met yet. But if we move out into the harvest and we're praying that God would, would guide us to these people of peace, that he will he'll bring us he'll bring our footsteps across their paths and it also lets you know that a lot of the folks that you're going to come into contact with are not going to be interested just as the apostles as they went out to those towns Mm -hmm. in fact there were going to be some towns that the whole town was not interested and to our first point about burning the ships the the solution was not to to get stuck or to turn back, it was to go to the next town. Mm -hmm. And maybe for us, that could be, there's going to be some weeks where there's just no people of peace that we come across. Mm -hmm. But the solution is not to give up. It's, it's to go into the next week and be willing to continue to, to pray, to share and to look for those people. Mm, Yeah. How about you, Abigail? What, what are your thoughts on prayer as the foundation? How's that looked in your life? Well, I think, um, I I tend to be a lot more relational or maybe I'm just not very creative. So it's hard for me to just think of like people that I've never met before or which God continually surprises me with the random people that he brings into our lives and um, how he does it is always crazy. But I usually start with literally people that I know. Um, so we're going to get into this next week. So I no spoilers, but I, um, I do think that when I am feeling like that space is still wide open and no one's filling it, I really start just praying for the people that didn't show up. So like, for instance, the Mm. week that the people (laughs) started sending me all the texts, I I really spent that next week really praying for those people. Um, because I was convicted that I hadn't really been doing that. Um, 
So I had been reaching out to them and sharing the gospel with them and doing all these like doing actions. <laughs> I'm a doer, people. Mm. So I was doing mm-hmm. it all, um, but I was not doing maybe the most important thing, which was to pray for them. Um, and so I really mm-hmm. did that that next week. And, you know, so sometimes the Lord then kind of does allow you to shake the dust off your feet, so to speak. But I think before we can do that, and we really do have to put in that time and energy into praying for them and really seeking the Lord on their behalf. And we may not see the answers to those prayers right away or maybe never, but um, I do think, you know, that is is where we start with people. And it it was an encouragement to me that week. I had been all discouraged and sad, but um, the Lord just reminded me that that was really more my job than, you know, opening my house to them and all the other things that I tried to mm-hmm. do. Um, but really praying for them was probably the most effective thing I could do. So when we're not mm-hmm. seeing a lot of, of movement in the people that we're investing in, um, that is 100% the most effective thing is to just get on our knees for those people. So Yeah, Jesus uses a lot of agricultural and farming parables and analogies in his teaching. But uh, when we were in Israel a few years back, the, the guy who was instructing us, the local, he told us that the the Hebrew word for grace is the same word as um, rain, right? Was say it again? Rain? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Rain. Rain and or so, grain? Uh, rain or grain? Rain. 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 Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so his, the, the point that he was making is, so a farmer has to do his part. A farmer, mm-hmm. he can't just pray. <laughs> You know, he can't like even if it rains, right? If he doesn't do his part, there's not going to be a crop. Mm. But the farmer can do everything, and if it doesn't rain, it's not going to work. And so, what we're trying to do, and being what we're trying to be involved in, it really is. It's a both end. Mm. It's it's God is calling us to be faithful in our daily and weekly activities, and our obedience. But we need to be praying because if God does not send rain, if God isn't at work through our lives and in the lives of others, then we can be doing everything right, everything else right, and not see a harvest, not see a crop. And so in my own life, I think I'm like you, Abigail, I'm a doer. And so I'll just work harder. Right. <laughs> and I know there there came a time, I actually shared this, I think, on the podcast that I did with John Snyder. But right before I met John, I'd been uh, sharing my faith and, and trying to help people grow and, and seeking to make disciples for several years before I met John, probably five years. And yet I had never really come across someone who was like-hearted who who wanted to build their life around Jesus with the same intensity that I did. And so there was a level of frustration that I was spending all of this time and effort trying to help people who weren't as interested as I was in the things of God. And the Holy Spirit convicted me, are you praying for that type of person? And it was a light bulb moment for me that mm-hmm. I was willing to spend literally hours and put myself out there, but to spend 15 minutes earnestly praying that God would bring someone like John into my life 
was something I had not done. And so it is, um, it is interesting. I, I don't think, I think there's a lot of people like me that just, we're, we're not praying. We're trying to do the work of God, but we're really not taking the time to set aside to seek God and ask for him to be at work. And so what, what is it that you really want to see God do? Take some time to write that down. Mm-hmm. Um, who are the type of people that you would like him to allow you to cross paths with? Mm-hmm. Go ahead and write that out and then begin to pray through that every day. And so when I began to pray specifically that God would bring someone into my life who had the same heart that I had, within just a few weeks, I met John. And you know, hmm. John and I have been friends now for going on 20 years. And he's, he's continuing to follow the Lord mm-hmm. with uh, passion and intensity. And I just wonder if I had, if I'd been a little faster, if I had learned that lesson three years in instead of five years in, I don't know, God's timing. Yeah. But I do think the quicker we can realize that prayer is not just a good idea, it's mm-hmm. foundational, then the better off we're going to be. Absolutely. Yes. So um, we are running out of time. Uh, but <laughs> just to reiterate, um, setting aside the space in our lives, just burning the, the ship, so to speak, and um, making the space to be in the harvest places and um, allow the Lord to work in that area of our life. And then prayer. It is foundational. Uh, so <laughs> those are really key. And we're going to get into three more um, kind of defining our fishing spots, so to speak, um, finding the people that Lord maybe has called us to. And then um, I called it finding your watering hole, but I think you guys call it like just finding the way that you're going to be refreshed while you're out in the harvest places, Mm -hmm. Um, finding your spot for Gatorade if you're Keith, Um, (laughs) and then establishing a weekly rhythm. These are all things that we will talk to you about next week, so stay tuned for that. But until then, be sure to comment on this podcast on Facebook when we post it. Let us know kind of your thoughts on this topic. Um, Let us know what you're thinking about um, in regards to being out in the harvest places. What has helped you? We want to hear all the things. So thank you guys for this conversation. It was really good. And we'll see you all back next week. All right, Abby. Talk to you next week. Bye. It was awesome, guys. Thanks for being part of our community. If you find this podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can share it on social media with your friends. Or you can support it directly by visiting our website, intotheharvest.org, clicking on the donate link, and becoming a monthly giving partner. When you do this, you'll receive a thank you package with some great ITH gear. Thank you for supporting the show and helping our small team make a big difference for Jesus. It's listeners like you that make this ministry possible.